0: So, first things first is a series. Really, it's a prerequisite to resolutions. If you're like me, you've got some goals this year. You've got some things that you want to accomplish. There are some things that you want to change about your life. There are some things that you want to improve in your life. There are some things that you want to get rid of in your life. There are some things about your life that don't feel perfect, that don't feel like they're working really well, and so we want to kind of, as the new year starts, many of us kind of set resolutions and goals, and we aim to change things and improve areas of our lives. But if we're all honest, most of us have set more resolutions than we've completed or followed through with. And and the truth is, is most of us, we get a month or two, if we're lucky, into a resolution and we just fall back into our old way of living, our old habits, uh, the routine that was so comfortable to us um, in the previous year. And we forget the resolution that we even set by the end of the year. This year's different, though, because this year God's going to do something new in our lives. And if that's going to take place, then we've got to make some changes to make room for Him to do some things in our life. And so, um, our encouragement through this series has been before you um, kind of enable your resolutions, before you start chasing after the resolutions, I've given you a month off to kind of sit back and re examine your resolutions. And starting in February, the 7th will be that Sunday. So, starting in February, I want you to jump into your resolutions with some tools uh, that I'm praying will help us sustain the change that we so eagerly long uh, to embrace in our lives. So let me review with you. Uh, The first week, uh, we talked about the fact that if we're going to sustain change in our lives, that we have to have self-control. That a resolution with no self-control uh, is an empty aim uh, that will never be accomplished because self-control um, is paramount to accomplishing any amount of change in our life. And this was the verse that we read together, Proverbs 25, verse 28, which says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So you wonder why uh, you feel defeated when it comes to your resolutions And it's because you're like a city whose walls are broken down. You've been invaded from the outside. You haven't protected your resolution because you lack self-control. And the great news is is that we said that self-control wasn't simply a mindset that causes us to work harder and try more than we have in the past, but rather it's a fruit of the Spirit. And the more that we walk with the Spirit of God, the more it produces the fruit of self-control in our lives. And so we've got to focus and center our heart on walking in the Spirit and allowing His Word to transform us that we might acquire self-control in those areas. Now, last week we came back and we talked about what our motivation is when it comes to resolutions. Many of us have different motivations for various different types of resolutions. Everything from wanting to fit into a certain size that we once were to uh, wanting to be healthier or uh, have a budget that makes room for us to enjoy more things in life. Whatever the motivation we are, we said last week that we've got to surrender that motivation to the glory of God. And if we can allow the glory of God to be our motivation in any change that we're seeking this year, uh, then we'll be better equipped for that. And the verse that we focused on last week was 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, which says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God of God. And we really focused uh, on a truth uh, that hopefully will stick with you, that there aren't two paths, um, one that leads to satisfaction or contentment or enjoyment, and one that leads toward the glory of God. If you're like me, when you grew up, you're like, if I pursue the glory of God, then I can't be satisfied at all. But we said, rather, it's actually one in the same road that when we truly pursue the glory of God for our lives, we experience more satisfaction than any earthly desire would ever bring our way. So we've got to focus our motivation on the glory of God. And so we're going to make physical changes this year because we want to honor God with our body. We're going to make financial changes this year because we want to become better stewards uh, to lift up the name of Jesus. And so every motivation that we have is motivated by living for the glory of God. And so today we're going to take it a step further. Um, and, And the verse that we're going to focus on today is Galatians chapter six. In verse nine, and before I read it, let me just kind of give you what today's uh, tool is. First was self-control, uh, then was the motivation being the glory of God, um, and today I've I haven't really been able to nail down a specific statement, and so I've got several of them, and I'm going to summarize them for you. Um, I've got dependency, I've got commitment, I've got consistency, I've got faithfulness, but ultimately I'm going to call today's tool. Steadfast endurance, steadfast endurance. It's this idea that when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, that change isn't always easy, that there's going to come a moment in a resolution where you feel as though this isn't beneficial and it's hard and difficult. And so you want to give up and quit. And if you have that type of mentality, you'll never follow through with any type of lasting, sustaining change. So let me read Galatians chapter six, verse nine to you. Let us not become weary, let us not grow tired in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we don't give up. Now, if, if you're the type of person that has made any type of dietary changes as part of a resolution in the past you know how difficult it can be after several weeks or several months of remembering how good the way you used to eat brought satisfaction to your life and how you feel so neglected moving forward without the sweets or the carbs or whatever it is you're trying to give up. You find it's very difficult to keep going. I like that. I get an amen when I say giving up (laughs) sweets. I love it. You find it's very difficult to endure that change, to sustain a different diet because you long for something that you once had and it's hard to weigh the good that's coming from the new change. And it becomes difficult and you feel stressed all the time because you're always longing for something that you can't have and many of us just give up. The same with working out. No one ever said working out is easy. If it's easy, you're not working out, right? Some people may enjoy working out more than others, but if it's easy, you're not really getting much out of it. And so there comes a point where you hit that wall and you're like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And if you don't have steadfast endurance, you'll quit. You'll give up. And many of us in life have become quitters in areas that matter tremendously, specifically in our walk with the Lord. And we allow ourselves to stop doing things that we started doing because it got difficult. Or we didn't see the fruit of our labor immediately. We didn't see the change that we wanted in the first week. We gained two pounds when we ate worse than we ever have. And we're just like, it's not worth it for us to keep doing this if we're not going to lose 10 pounds in a week. And so I want us today to kind of center our minds around this idea that if we can steadfastly endure, then we can embrace change in our lives that will be lasting and sustaining and life-giving rather than taking life-taking. So I'm going to go to John chapter number 15, and I'm going to read the first eight verses for us and I'm just going to share a few thoughts as I walk through this and then I'm going to challenge you at the end with another verse that hopefully will encourage you in a way Uh, and then I'm going to ask you again to consider your resolutions for this year and start them with these tools. So let me jump into John chapter number 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Notice the terminology that Jesus uses here in this analogy, if you will. He says, I'm the vine, the true vine. Everything that is produced fruit wise flows through me. And he's going to tell us in a minute how we fit into that equation. But he says, in comparison to me being a vine, my father is the gardener. Now, this is important. He's giving us. Um, a bit of an agricultural analogy for us to follow through here. So if you're not a gardener, I'm not much of a gardener myself outside of an attempt to grow a few tomato plants the last couple of years that uh, didn't produce as well as I would have liked. Um, I haven't really stuck with gardening at any point in my life. My grandfather has, and so I've learned some things about gardening. Um, But I find it interesting that Jesus says, my father is a gardener, rather than saying my father is a magician who just instantaneously makes things happen at his beckoning call. Can Jesus make anything happen in your life at a beckoning call? Absolutely. But Jesus describes him as a gardener. Now, if you've ever planted something, you know that growing a plant to the point that it produces fruit is a process. And a gardener cares for the plant, through the process to ensure that it produces fruit. Now that process is an area in our life where we typically quit, where we don't see fruit yet, and we're like, it's not worth it. I'm not going to keep watering this thing. I'm not going to keep caring for this thing. I'm not going to pull weeds around this thing because it's not giving me anything right now. I'm not getting anything out of it right now, so I'm just going to quit. And I'm grateful that the Father doesn't quit on me when I haven't produced the way that I need to produce in my life, but he cares for me. He painstakingly puts things in my life and takes things out of my life to ensure that I'm headed toward a maturity level that would allow me to produce whatever fruit that he's put into my life. Now think about the resolutions that you've set in the past and think about how you didn't get instantaneous results And because you didn't get instantaneous results, you had a tendency to want to quit, to give up. It's not worth it. And then think about God, our Father, being a gardener and not a magician with a magic wand, not a genie in a bottle, not someone who just allows you to get anything you want by simply requesting it and it's done for you immediately. Because He wants us to embrace a process towards change that will be lasting, He wants us to develop develop character in our lives that will lead us to lasting, sustainable change. And if he gave us everything that we wanted in life, we wouldn't appreciate what it took to get there. You don't give your kids everything they want, You, you don't just spoil your kids to the point that they never learn any lessons in life, but rather you help them understand and grow into becoming someone who can handle certain things in life. And once you feel that they're ready for certain things, then you gift them with those things. So the first thing we've got to understand is that our father is a gardener. And there's a process between being planted and producing fruit. And that process is our father being involved with us and steadfastly helping us along, putting obstacles in our way, teaching us lessons And we've got to understand that if we want to experience any type of lasting, sustainable change in our life, it will be a process. There will be difficult moments. There will be seasons that are dry. There will be seasons where there's not much sunshine. There will be seasons where there's too much water. And we have to allow ourselves to stick with it to the point that we care for what we're longing for. And the great news is that we've got a model in God the Father to follow Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's scary, isn't it? That if we're a branch connected to the vine of Jesus and we don't produce fruit, then God, the gardener, our Father, cuts off that branch. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Get this, if a vine doesn't produce fruit, it's cut off. If a vine does produce fruit, it's pruned. It's still cut off, just not completely. Just because you're experiencing a type of loss in your life doesn't mean that your goal or the end result is over with. Sometimes you've got to take a step backwards before you can take steps forwards. Sometimes we've got to be pruned before we can produce. We've got to allow ourselves to Throw off the weights that hinder us, that set us back to allow the things in our lives that aren't productive to be cut away so that in their place we can experience growth. Now think about your resolutions. Think about the things that you want to change financially, relationally, physically in your career and think about the areas where you feel as if you're not seeing results that you want and even areas where it feels like things are being taken from you. And rather than just saying this was a a dumb goal to start with, it's not working out the way I wanted, understand that sometimes God will allow things to be removed for your life so that something can be produced in this place. So when times get difficult and it feels like you're not seeing results and you're not seeing the progress that you want, understand that sometimes there are steps that are backwards before we can move forward. Now, I'll think of it like this in terms of our church. This past Thursday, our church turned four years old. Happy birthday, Synergy Church. We didn't, yeah. It just so happened that the same week that our church turned four years old, this facility had a gas leak that caused us to meet in this classroom. Now, just over four years ago, we met, just so you know, in a place called Jungle Jumpers. Think about inviting your friends to that church. Hey, come with me to Jungle Jumpers. We're going to worship Jesus. It was called Jungle Jumpers, and there were literally scenes, murals of a jungle on the walls where we met. And this week, as I considered meeting in this room that's much like Jungle Jumpers, minus the monkeys hanging on the wall, I'll be honest with you. Part of me felt like, man, we're taking some steps back. This is like where we used to be. It's not where we've been. This is where we used to be. I mean, we should be so much further than this place four years later, and it feels like we're back at Jungle Jumpers. How is that? And sometimes you just have to learn to trust that God our Father is tending for the thing that He's planted. And our church has been planted here. And though it doesn't feel like it's producing what we want... (laughs) I've just learned, especially in the last year, to trust the gardener, that he knows how to care for the seed, and he knows how to sustain the plant so that it produces. And we've had some pruning in our church. We've had some areas that have been cut off, and it's always difficult and it's always painful. But we trust in the end that the gardener knows what he's doing, right? And in your life, when it feels like things have been cut off, it feels like some things have been trimmed, you have to trust that there's a gardener that's walking with you through life, that's tending to you, that's caring for you, so that you can produce as he desires. Verse 3, You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. I used to read this passage of Scripture in John 15, and I used to be so motivated to produce fruit for the Lord. Because if I don't produce fruit, I'm going to be cut off, and in just a minute we're going to see that we'll be thrown into the fire. And I said, I'm not going to be cut off from the vine of Jesus, and so I'm going to work hard to produce fruit, but the problem is I can't produce fruit on my own. And Jesus never asked me to produce fruit. He simply said, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Have you ever ever considered the fact that sometimes lasting, sustainable change in your life isn't about doing things differently, but rather more steadfastly doing the same things more consistently? That if we can focus our hearts around remaining in Jesus remain in Jesus. I'm going to remain in Jesus well. I'm going to stay in Jesus. I'm not going to focus on producing fruit. I'm not going to focus on the results that I think Jesus wants for my life. I'm just going to focus on remaining in Jesus. If I can remain in Jesus well, then I will produce fruit. It's a promise. Now, think about your resolutions, areas of my life that I want to change. And we immediately think, I've got to do things differently. I'm constantly manipulating the things of my life to look different so that I can get different results, right? Because if you keep doing the same thing but expecting a different result, then that's the definition of insanity. We've all heard that. You can't just keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. And so we always think, well, if we want different results, we've got to do things differently. The problem is, is when we keep doing things differently, there's no consistency in our life, now, I've been told by research that if you do something consistently 21 days in a row, it becomes a habit. Some of us have habits that we need to break, but some of us have habits that we need to form. The key for us to see lasting change and sustained improvement in our lives isn't to keep changing things, but rather to endure steadfastly and do some, th- do some things the same more consistently, let me, let me give you an example. You ever started a year spiritually speaking and just said, "I just want to get closer to the Lord this year." I've done that. I've done that this year. I want to get closer to the Lord this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll just give you an example. I spent a lot of time reading God's word to share messages with this church. I spent a lot of time reading God's word to share messages with this church. And recently I've struggled to read God's word for him to speak directly to me. Because I've thought I've got to care for this church. I've got to have a word for this church. I've got to share what you want with this church. And in so doing, I have sometimes lost focus on allowing God to speak directly to me. And I might read a scripture and say, oh, that'll be great in a sermon. That'll be great in a series. I've got to make a note of that for the future. And I always read with this context of how can I share this in the future and how can this apply to people's lives. And God's really challenged me specifically this year. Stop reading for others and start reading for yourself. You may not deal with this because you may be in a profession where you don't constantly share God's Word, but this is just an example for me. So it's not that I don't read God's Word I don't need to stop reading God's word to get different results. Do you you follow me? I need to read God's word more faithfully, more specifically, and I need to focus on allowing him to speak directly to me. It's not about changing what I'm doing. It's about being more steadfast in what I'm doing. And, And there's a different approach and a different mindset, but I keep reading God's word. I keep reading God's word. I keep focusing on his word. I keep asking him to speak to me. And then as an overflow, I'll be able to speak to you. See, I've, I've gotten this backwards, and I've got a lot of pastor friends that gets this backwards. And we try to study to preach sermons, and we forget that we have to become more healthy ourselves. So you may have started the year and said, man, I've, I've got to read read God's word from cover to cover this year and you've gotten like into Leviticus and you're like, I can't do this anymore. I just want to shoot myself. Anyone ever, you've done that in Leviticus, oh, numbers, oh, can't get through this. And you're like, "I, I don't see results. I don't see any benefit in doing this. And so you give up. But if you can endure steadfastly, then you'll create habits. And if you focus on the same thing and doing the same thing better, then that's where God can work in your life. It's not about figuring out which fruit that we need to produce. It's simply about remaining in the vine. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so today, instead of coming to you with a tool that says, creatively figure out a different route or a different path for your life I just wanted to come to you and share that there are some areas in your life that you simply need to endure in that you simply need to remain more faithful and consistent in that you need to allow some habits to materialize and to mature in your life so that you can sustain some change that you desire in your life it's not always about doing things differently, but rather it's about doing things more consistently. Does that make sense at all? And helping you understand that that you've got to endure the hard times. You've got to endure the dry seasons. You've got to endure the, the times of your life that seem unfruitful. Trusting that if you simply remain in Jesus, you will produce fruit in his time. In his time. So whatever that resolution, whatever your seeking to improve or better or change about your life. Stop thinking so much about how can I like live life completely differently? Because what's going to happen is you're going to keep changing things and that's not going to produce the result you want. So you're going to change things again. That's not going to produce the results you want. You're going to change things back again. You're going to go full circle and you're going to wonder, why do I never see anything changed in my life I try this same thing over and over again. It's because you're focusing on doing things differently rather than doing things more consistently. You've got to endure steadfastly with commitment to something. Let me share a couple of conversations that I've had in the past couple of weeks. Had a conversation with someone in the past couple of weeks who attended this church faithfully for several years it hasn't been here in several months. And I just had a conversation where I just, I just said, you know, we've missed you, you know, is there anything we can do to help you get more connected? And this is what, this is what this family, this is what this family said to me. They said there was one week where the church didn't meet. I think it was uh, a holiday. I think it was Labor Day. And after that, week of not meeting the following week we had a trip planned and so we had two weeks in a row where we weren't at church and this was their statement to me i think we just got out of the habit of coming and we just allowed ourselves to enjoy time at home and time with family and we forgot how church fit into that this was their words we just we got out of the habit I had another conversation with a lady who attended our church several years ago and hasn't been here in a while. And I see this lady from time to time. And I just said, I said, are you in church anywhere? And she says, no, no, we're not in church anywhere. And I said, listen, it doesn't have to be synergy, but you need to be in church. Amen. If you teenage daughter, you guys need to be worshiping Jesus. And she said, you know, we just, we've gotten out of the habit of coming and It's just hard for us to step back into it. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but sometimes we get out of the habit of doing something that we need to stay steadfastly doing, and then it becomes more difficult to do it again. You ever kind of fell out of the habit of something you knew you should be doing, and then it was hard to get back into it? Exercising, dieting. I once did well, but I've kind of fallen off the wagon, and now it's difficult to get back into that flow. And, and it produced in these people several kind of mindsets. We've talked about coming back. We just feel like everybody will kind of, you know, bombard us with like, you know, where have you been, that kind of thing. We just, I don't know, we just don't really want to answer the questions. Now, that's silly, right? No one's going to like look at you when you go to church after you haven't been in a while and been like, you know, where have you been? What's your problem? Yes. You, we're not going to do that. You know we're not that type of church. But it's easy for us to develop mindsets based on a lack of consistency that cause us not to even want to go back to where we know we're supposed to be. That's why it's so important for us to remain in the vine. Even in difficult, dry seasons of life, we've got to remain in the vine. Verse 5. I am the vine... You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is, this is our relationship with Jesus. He's the vine. He's the source. He's where everything flows from. We're simply branches. It's not about us. It's about him. We're connected to him. We've got to remain in him, steadfastly, enduring, connected with him, and then he will produce fruit through our lives We can't do anything apart from Him. If we cut the branch off of the vine, it will not produce anything ever. Not once will it. It will die. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Isn't that a beautiful promise? If you remain in me, and my word remains in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. And I feel like so many times we want God to be this magician, this genie in a bottle, this, this one-stop wish granter where we can go to him and just say, fix this in my life, you know, change this in my life, make this better in my life. And he doesn't always do that, and we lose confidence in his ability to bring change to our lives. And it's because we've got a wrong mentality that thinks the branch is better than it is. We're just branches. Apart from the vine, we're nothing. We can't do anything. We produce nothing without being connected to the vine. But if we remain in him and his word remains in us, then we ask whatever we wish and it will be done for us. You've got areas in your life that need to be changed. You've got areas in your life that you want to improve. You've got goals that you set. If you've got self-control, you're motivated by the glory of God, and if you can endure steadfastly by being connected to the vine of Jesus and remain in Him and focus on living a more consistent life rather than trying to change everything about your life, then God will grant you the desires of your heart. But sometimes our desires aren't rooted in being connected to the vine, and that's our problem. So this year as we set resolutions... We're going to focus on what area of our life can we be more consistent? Can we endure more steadfastly? When it gets difficult and hard and dry, we're going to continue remaining in Jesus and trusting that he's going to bring fruit into our lives. And then I love that he says in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's the fruit that we bear that testifies to the world that we're disciples of Jesus. And that fruit is not produced by sheer willpower or good works or a great attitude or mindset. It's simply produced by being connected to the vine. Now, I have conversations with people who, especially at the beginning of the year, they want to be more connected to Jesus. They want to uh, do things for Jesus that they haven't done in the past year. Another conversation I had uh, just last week with a gentleman who had fallen out of the habit of tithing. He once tithed. He gave the first 10% of his money to the Lord. And this last year, he fell out of that habit. And he, he just said, there were areas where I just felt like I needed the money and I needed to focus on fixing some things financially. And so I used the Lord's money to do that. And he said, the Lord has just challenged me this year. And this year, I'm really going to focus on giving him the first 10% again. If we simply try to do things for Jesus out of our own willpower, it becomes difficult to sustain those changes, right? We'll try to read our Bibles every day and then we fall out of the habit and then we just give up. We try to pray more than we have in the past and then we fall out of the habit and we just give up. We try to tithe. We try to attend church. We try to serve, but life happens and it gets difficult and we find ourselves taking a step backwards and falling out of the habit and not doing what we once desired to do. Not because we don't want to, but just because we grew weary in doing good. We got tired of seeking the same things because we didn't see instantaneous results. Right? And I, I told this friend, I was like, I was like, tithing doesn't always fix finances, does it? And we just both agreed. It doesn't always fix your finances. Just like going to church faithfully doesn't always fix circumstances in your life. Just by serving Christ faithfully doesn't always change everything in your relationships to be perfect. That there are difficult seasons, we, we long to do good, we try to do good, but we grow weary and we don't see the results or the fruit that we long to see. And so we just give up altogether. But Jesus is saying here, apart from the vine, you can't do anything. To give up altogether because you grew tired or weary is not an approach that will ever produce fruit in our lives. So with your resolutions, hopefully you've got some godly resolutions this year. You've got to have this commitment on the front end that says, even when it gets difficult, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to endure. I'm going to remain. I'm going to be consistent about this, and I'm going to trust that God's going to produce the fruit. I'm just going to focus on being consistent with my reading, with my attendance, with my serving, with my tithing, with my diet, with my exercise, with my promotion, with my marriage. I'm just going to be consistent and trust the results to Jesus. Amen, Let me share 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Walker's going to come back and lead us in a song. And as he makes his way, this is what 1 Corinthians, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me read it again. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Be immovable. Be steadfast. Be unwavering. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Don't have half hearted resolutions. Don't say, I'm going to try something and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, I'll just quit. But if it works, I'll keep doing it. Whatever happens, happens. Fix your mind, fix your heart, be motivated by the glory of God and say, I'm not moving. I'm going to stick with this before I even start. I promise you, it's not going to change. I will be consistent, even in the difficult times, even when I don't see how I can continue. I will be consistent and I will be faithful and I'll trust that God will produce the results that I desire. And he's promised me that if I remain in him and his word remains in me, then I will bear much fruit and I can ask anything that I wish and he will do it for me. This is the year for us to be consistent, to endure steadfastly, to trust that he's got our best at heart and live more consistently rather than trying to live so differently. Instead of trying to change and fix everything in our life, let's just focus on being more consistent. And if we'll be more consistent and we'll remain in him, then he will produce fruit in our lives. Father, thank you that this is the year that we will stand firm, unmovable, unwavering, consistently, enduring, steadfastly, connected to the vine of Jesus, trusting you for the results in our lives. I pray for every... Man and woman standing here today, Father, that you have spoken directly to their heart and identified an area in their life where you may not have been their one thing, whether they've fallen out of a habit or they've allowed a distraction to creep into their life and uh, to set you in a, a wrongful place in their heart. In this moment, Father, you see them standing, committing their lives to consistently living for you and remaining in you. And my prayer, Lord, is that you would grant them the wishes of their heart as they remain in you and your word remains in them. May this year, Father God, be the year of harvest for their life. May this year be the year that you produce in them beyond their wildest imaginations all that they've ever hoped and dreamed of. And may they find in you a consistent walk that produces rich fruit full of hope full of mercy, full of grace, full of forgiveness. And as they trust you in these areas of their life, may you receive glory and may you bless them abundantly. In Jesus' name I pray. And together we say,